0: Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, Stephen. Welcome back for another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. How are you doing?
1: Hi, uh, Doing well, thank you. How are you doing in these lockdown times?
0: Well, here in Spain, lockdown has actually loosened up quite a bit this week, or here in Barcelona. Barcelona was lagging a little behind the rest of the country, so now we can go out and walk around and do many more things, so... In that regard, it's gotten a bit better, but obviously things are not, not even close to fully back to normal. Um, you know, my kids are still homeschooling and things like that. So,
1: but we're getting there.
0: What about you? What's the situation on your side?
1: Well, London's London's starting to come out of lockdown. It seems to be chaotic. We don't know whether our schools are opening or closing. I'm, you know, I'm a school governor at, at a primary school in Tottenham, and uh, we were going to open then we postponed opening i think we're now going to open the coming monday you know but only probably a quarter of the children who should be coming back will come back we're a long long way from getting back to normal and uh this isn't a political podcast so i'm not going to make any comments about our government just say we're a long way from getting back to normal but it is what it is and we've had lots of time to do online things and uh we did an online mob last night, didn't we?
0: That's right. We had our third uh, online GeoMob, which, so first off, thank you to everyone who attended and, and of course, to the speakers for taking the time. Yeah, it's. I'm, I have to admit, I'm struggling a bit with the online events in that you do get burned out with it a bit. So maybe we'll have to think about how we tweak the format going forward. But nevertheless, we had some very good talks. I particularly enjoyed the talk by Miguel from Map Idea, um, showing off his kind of geo location intelligence software. And I also like the talk by John Craig about giving his perspective after kind of a 20-year career in uh, location-based advertising. So may try to get both of them on the podcast in the in the coming weeks and months. So yeah, what was your perspective? Yeah, I
1: thought it. I enjoyed it last night. I did think I'm also suffering from Zoom fatigue, which makes me shudder when I think that I'm going to be spending a whole day of phosphog on Zoom next week, you know, you can, you just tend to glaze over after a while. And I think perhaps we need to shorten the evenings a bit by maybe having only four speakers and being a bit stricter about the time they speak. Um, but that said, there were some great talks last night. I really liked Miguel's map idea. When I was back in the day when I was at MapInfo and running product management in Europe, this whole thing of integrating business intelligence and location was the holy grail that we were all after. And, you know, you look at what it, they're doing now in a browser and how easy it was. And uh, it was really impressive. I really liked it. And I also enjoyed John Craig. You know, I we joked about the Starbucks vouchers popping up on your phone for the last 10 or 15 years and he finally um, I think nailed the coffin shut on that one so he was a great speaker amusing and opinionated which is just what we want so they'll both be good podcast interviews I think that's right and
0: hopefully we'll get the the videos from all the talks up on the on the website in in the next few days so
1: yep that's my job I'm afraid (laughs) hint hint
0: um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so everything ready for Phosphor G UK next week or any last minute Is it heck?
1: Is it heck no? Um it's uh, I mean you said that organizing the geomobs is can be a bit of a struggle. You know it's it's becoming quite stressful, yeah. I mean not terrible, but you know, the thing's growing and growing. You know, we're now I mean when I looked this morning we were up nearly six hundred and fifty people registered to attend. Wow. God knows how many of them will shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's getting big, you know. I mean, even if we get a 50% no-show rate, this is still going to be a big gig, you know? you know. And sort of corralling the speakers, as you know, is always a problem. We need quite a lot of volunteers. In fact, I think you said you might follow. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm right, going to so volunteer. I, I better, need
0: to follow up on that, of course.
1: You better get your email address into that volunteering quickly yeah look it'll be fine on the day it'll be fine and some stuff will go wrong it's not the end of the world we're certainly going to stretch zoom's capabilities i think with six seven hundred people in a keynote session but yeah i'll be pleased when it's over now well good luck good luck so What's happening with your business?
0: With OpenCage, well, we're actually working on a pretty important project, uh, which is we're gonna offer a different pricing model. So right now our pricing is subscription-based with different tiers. We have an extra small, small, medium, and large tiers that based on the amount of usage that people have. And that works quite well, but we're gonna enhance that by adding one-off pricing. So we we often get approached by people who they don't have an ongoing need, they just have a one-time need. And so right now we kind of tell them we tell them to sign up for a subscription and then just cancel the subscription when they're done. And that kind of works, but it's not perfect and it's kinda of clunky. And I think it scares off some people who are have live in fear of having a subscription. And so we're trying to adapt that. But obviously anytime you touch the pricing, you know, you gotta get it just right. So so that's what we're working on. Hopefully get that out by the end of the end of the month, I think.
1: So what will that be sort of like uh A price per thousand geocodes or. Uh, Well, this is the problem.
0: This this is part of the problem is like, exactly. How should it, how should it work? Should it be strictly based on usage? But the problem with that is then people don't know exactly how much they're going to need, or should there be, you know, similarly to with the subscription, should there be a small, medium, large package, or should it be time-based where you say, okay, you have a day or whatever, or a week. So right now we're kind of still kind of deciding on that, but the fundamental idea is that people have a one-time purchase for a set amount of requests. So of, you know how many API requests you make. But it's a fair question of you know should it be should it be ten thousand requests? Should it be a hundred thousand requests? You know so that, that's and wh- one thing I found is no matter what price we set, of course people want it slightly different. You know you're always going to get the guy who's like, oh it's perfect, can you just change this one thing? And um, yeah. that that's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get it just right.
1: Yeah, and the answer to that, can you just change one thing, is <laughs> redirect them to somebody else. Yeah,
0: well, we already do do a bit of that. I mean, we get a lot of people who come through who they're, they're like, oh, I just have one data set in, usually this is non-technical people who are like, oh, can you can I just send you an Excel file? And the answer is, no because i value my sanity but we actually have a partner where we that we direct them to who are experts in kind of excel spreadsheet processing not just for geocoding but all kinds of other processing and um, so behind the scenes, they use our geocoder for the people who want geocoding in their spreadsheet, is a site called Clean Spreadsheet. So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. But, but this is the struggle is that people have different needs and, you know, we're great at meeting some of the some of the people we can serve well and, and we want them as customers. Other people, you know, it could spend the rest of my life trying to fix their data. And I, that, that's not how I want to spend the rest of my life. So it's hard.
1: Yeah, it's Andy Allen's elephants, antelopes, and rabbits, or whatever the animals in his example were.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you re- actually recently wrote a post on your blog, which um, no doubt all of our listeners are are keen readers of, and talking about this whole yeah. issue of of pricing and money and you know what what price what what value should a digital service have? So maybe you want to tell us a bit about yeah. your post and summarize it.
1: Okay, so post was entitled. Free is great, but time is money. And that sort of sums up the whole thing. And it came from personal experiences. I mean, first of all, let me say, I'm naturally a thrifty person. I don't like wasting money. I don't like wasting anything, whether it's money, resources. When I was a kid, my grandfather used to, people used to send parcels wrapped in brown paper and tied up with string. And when he received a parcel, he would spend as long as it took untying the knots in the string so that he could roll the string up and then save the brown paper so that he could reuse it. That sort of that whole thrifty attitude that the previous generations had has sort of permeated me. So I'm not someone who is frivolous with money. But the consequence of that is sometimes you just get carried away with trying to save money. And um, in the blog post, I gave a couple of examples. You know, I've been using Gmail since, I think, 2006, 2007. I was one of... It was a, I was... Um, Using Gmail when you had to get an invitation to use Gmail, if you remember back to that time. I do. And it's always been free. And over the years, they've gradually increased the amount of storage that you can get with your account, with your free account. And I think it went from 2 gig to 5 gig, and now it's 15 gig. And it's been fantastic, and I've had enormous use from it. But recently, what with Google Drive and everything, My storage has been up close to the 15 gig, and I've kept getting these messages saying, you're getting close to the limit of your storage, it's time to think about upgrading. And rather than just upgrading, I've tried everything I could think of, I've spent hours searching on the internet to find ways to reduce the storage, because a lot of it is just attachments to mail. Right. That are taking up the storage, you know, and they're not attachments that I want. So, if you could press a button and strip all the attachments out of your email, you wouldn't need the extra storage. Or well, that was the theory, and I've gone around looking for ways to do this. <coughs> and basically, I've wasted a shitload of time <laughs> You know, I mean, and it's, and it's really stupid. And eventually, a few months ago, I clicked on the upgrade button. I'm paying sixteen pounds a year. To get a hundred gigabyte of storage, which basically means i 'm never going to fill my email in the rest of my life, and sixteen pounds a year is nothing you know right. i mean it's, how many hours it's did ridiculous. you spend trying
0: to avoid spending sixteen
1: pounds i 'm embarrassed yeah. <laughs> i 'm embarrassed i mean let me just put it this way that it definitely values my time at less than a pound an hour right mm. um, yeah it 's just. It's just stupid. And then I think a few months ago we were talking on one of these chats about SSL certificates and I mentioned a great service called Let's Encrypt, yeah. which is a free SSL service. The one downside with Let's Encrypt is that, um, the certificates only last for 3 months so you have to renew them every 3 months and i'd worked out when i the first time i did this i think it took me about 6 hours to work out how to use their service and to create the ssl certificates and then load them onto my hosted web service web server and and apply them and everything, and getting it wrong. And finally, I got it right. And after a year or so, I would got this down to, this was an hour's work every three months. And it was free. And I went to do my regular quarterly update of my SSL certificates, and a whole load of stuff had changed. And basically, the front end that I used was no longer free. And I seriously looked at getting into php and apache and installing the software that i needed on my web server so that i could connect to the let's encrypt service and generate my ssl certificates using all of that technology fortunately i looked at this got to about the second line of the instructions and realized that i didn't have a hope in hell of doing this And realized that I was going to have to pay for an SSL certificate. And how much
0: did that cost you?
1: I ended up buying SSL certificates for three sites. And it cost me, again, 15 pounds something for the three sites. But they're 12-month certificates. Right. So, yeah. So, I've turned a job that at best was four hours a year into 15 pounds a year. And next year, when they come up for a renewal, assuming I've had no hassle with the service, they offer an option where you can buy a three-year certificate and it's less than 15 You know, it reduces because you're buying it for a longer period. But the whole lesson that I learned from all of this is that we waste a lot of time trying not to spend money. And, you know, certainly in my case, you know, that time is, is money. You know, it's worth, you know, I'd rather... I'd rather be working for clients who are paying me a hell of a lot more than a pound an hour, or even ten pound an hour. I'd rather be spending, I'd rather be spending time with my wife than fiddling around on stupid things like SSL certificates or ducking and diving to save storage space in my Google account. Yes. So that's the story of, of what prompted it. And then I remembered the conversation that you and I have had repeatedly about people gaming the trial accounts that you offer with OpenCage.
0: Right, so we sit on the other side of that and we offer for the benefit of our listeners who don't know. So anyone can come to our website and uh, sign up for an API key. It takes about one minute. You drop in your email address and and then we give you an API key and that API key, uh, you can do 2,500 API requests per day. And so obviously people come who, who have a, more of a need than that. And they, they, we see them trying to sign up for hundreds of accounts or mul- you know multiple accounts in all kinds of ways or uh, get their friend to sign up and all kinds of things to, to avoid becoming a customer. And it's really disheartening, frankly, because as a result we have to I mean, it's one thing when people you know the, what you describe of the, you know they kind of in a very ad hoc way try to you know see Bob Smith at Gmail, Bob Smith at Hotmail, um, but then we also see people try to do this on an industrial scale, where they're obviously using software to create accounts. And it's so annoying because A, our prices are actually very reasonable, exactly like the examples you described. And it's not only that, but we're very, in my opinion, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we're very good members of kind of the, the open data community in the open source community, you know, we're, we're corporate members of the OpenStreetMap Foundation, we're contributing back to the software, we're sponsoring events like Geomob, you know, to, to help spread awareness. And we're doing all that and trying to provide a good, fair, valid service at a very reasonable price. And, you know, it, 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 there are days you just get so frustrated when you spend the whole day trying to stop people from, in my, in my opinion, stealing from us. I mean, literally trying to, yeah. to rob from us, it, you get burned out on it, I have to say. So, yeah, and I don't know what the solution is. I mean, it's an endless arms race. Now we've had to implement all kinds of things to detect the people who are doing this. And it even goes so far in the end, you know, we have, we, we send people kind of warnings and we say, look, not warning, but, you know, first we ask them politely, we say, look, please don't sign up multiple times. The free trial is for testing. Use it to test. And if you then like our service and you want to depend on it, fantastic, become a customer. Um, and if not, then, you know, go work with someone else. I think that's reasonable. And the, the analogy I try to use in my, in my emails with them, I tell people, it's like, look, you know, imagine we're a restaurant. You come into the restaurant, I might give you a free plate of appetizers so you can, you know, see what a good cook I am. And if you like them and you want to stay for dinner, fantastic, but you're going to have to pay for dinner, you're, you you know. I'm not gonna just because I give you a free plate of it doesn't mean I'm gonna spend the rest of my life cooking you meals. Um, <laughs> so
1: that's a good analogy.
0: And uh, you know, actually, we it, this does. Some people, it, it's funny then when you hear the kind of excuses that people make. And you know, some people then do become customers, and that's great, and that's fine. And some people are like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't realize." Like, how did you not realize when you signed up thirty accounts? You know, or <laughs> You know, and
1: I mean, it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. And and you're right. They, I mean, basically, they are trying to steal. And I think one of the issues that comes up is I can't afford it.
0: Yes, that is an issue. We do have people, particularly people where I have some sympathy is people from, uh, let's say, developing countries where, you know, so for reference, our, our cheapest plan is $50 dollars. 50 U.S. dollars, I think it's like 38 pounds, uh, 45 euro, okay, in that range, which is not nothing, but it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that much. And and for that, you get quite a huge volume of geocoding. And okay, so fine, if you're from a developing country, you know, maybe, maybe that's you know, the value that fifty dollars represents is more. But in, the, in many cases, what, you know, if someone writes to me and says, "Like, look, you know, I'm I'm in country X and I, you know, I can't afford it," I'm happy to work out a deal with them. And, and particularly if they say, you know, I don't really need as much or whatever. But what's not okay is if people just start stealing. That you know, I don't yeah. think.
1: And I mean, it's not uncommon, perhaps, worth thinking about to have differential pricing for different markets. So. Whilst you might advertise a starter package at $50 a month, you might have the option that people could request a discount voucher, you know, and you can give them a discount code which reduces the price for people in the less developed countries or for student or not for profits or all sorts of things. I mean, there's all that sort of edge case where people could negotiate with you justify some kind of a rebate or a discount but it doesn't excuse people just trying to get everything for nothing and certainly if you're signing up for 10 or more free accounts and running them in parallel you're consuming a significant amount of geocodes. I mean, I know I've said this before, but I would I would just time limit the free account.
0: Oh, uh, you mean, okay. Something like that. Oh, uh, right. I see what you mean. Like, say the free account only works for a week or whatever. The problem with that is then people, or, people just say, oh, I didn't have time. Or, or people say, you know, that just even gives people more of incentive to create a new free account right so so i mean what we tell people and again you know we're trying to be as general as possible we say you can use the the free trial as long as you need for testing you know cuz i don't i don't know what schedule you're on or or i don't i'm not trying to rush you with your testing right. do whatever you need to do but when the point comes that you're depending on the service and using it every single day that's the point where you need to contribute to its maintenance by becoming a customer absolutely so so you know And we
1: do live in a strange world, don't we? Because you know, in the free and open source software world, you know, we have this conversation about free a lot of the time, you know, and whether the licensing for the software, you know because the licensing for the software says the software is free. And that's fine. But, you know, if you're providing a service, then that service has a cost, you know, it has people, it has Sure, it has to be
0: maintained, oh, well, it, has it has security, it has all these bandwidth,
1: yeah. it has security, it has all of those sorts of things, you know, and that has to be paid for. And, um, you know, this expectation of free, of free is sort of pervasive, you know, um, I, had a, and in fact, I think in my, in my blog post, I said, if you want a free, you know, I mean, if you want a free geocoding service, don't go to OpenCage. All you need to do is to look on the internet, and you'll find um, loads of people talking about the clever things they've done. And you can test a few of those out. You can download all of the OpenStreetMap data from OpenStreetMap. And you can set up a process to um, frequently update it. you can maybe merge in some other free data sets that you find and deduplicate them and do all of that. And then you can get a hosting package from somebody. And, you know, there's loads of hosting providers who will give you a free starter package for a few months. And uh, you can get all of that set up there. And Bob's your uncle. You've got a geocoding service free. And then when your free package comes to an end, you can switch to another server and try and do it again. But all of that's going to cost an in Amount of time in month in amount of time, and if you want to use OpenCage or any other paid for service, you'll probably save a massive amount of time and be able to do more productive things.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no yeah. way you can. I mean, it's definitely much more cost effective to to pay someone like us to do it for you, with the exception of a few use cases. But yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I'll give you a different example which came up whilst we were preparing for Phosphor G. So, I and one of the other organizers undertook to do a review of the various technologies that were available to to host this online conference. You know, and we looked at, um, I think, something called Big Button, we looked at Jitsi, we looked at WebEx, we looked at Zoom. We looked at Hopin, we looked at a couple of other conferencing SaaS providers, mm-hmm. and we looked at all of these, and we tried to compare them, and eventually, we came to the conclusion that we were going to run it on Zoom, which I think I told you a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and we're going to run the event on Zoom, and I don't know what the final cost will be, because as the numbers are going back, with going up, we're going to be using slightly bigger Zoom packages than we'd anticipated. But I'm pretty confident that the the total bill is going to be under $300 okay. to run an event for 700 people across four streams, right. something like that. So you know, it's not nothing, but it's pretty low. Right. And more importantly, we don't have any technical skills devoted to managing all of that infrastructure and ensuring we've got bandwidth and scalability. And if we go up to 900 or 1,000, it won't make any difference. We got a message from somebody basically saying, what? You're running an open source conference and you're not using open source software for your your communication stuff. And I thought, no, we're not. And and I was going to write back and sort of defend what we're doing. But before I did, I thought, let's just see whether anybody has successfully run a big event on, um, on one of the open source alternatives to Zoom. And so I did a quick search and I came up with a thread on Stack Exchange or some, one of those things. And the point that I'm coming to is people have been trying to run a single stream event on Jitsi. And they'd eventually sort of sorted out what you needed to do to run a single stream event on Jitsi. And you needed, first of all, you needed some very technical people. Secondly, you needed some pretty powerful hardware. You know, we're not talking about the Amazon basic server instance. We're talking about some pretty massive thing because you've got potentially thousands and thousands of threads. You need a colossal amount of bandwidth to spit this stuff out and you probably need to also hook up a stream to youtube to or some equivalent vimeo or one of those to give you some backup for the video because it probably won't hold up for those awesome numbers and what we ended up realizing what I ended up realizing was that we made the right decision just because it worked for us. But actually, the alternative of doing it yourself using free software, unless you're an expert and does this all the time for a living, in which case you're going to charge to do it, is you're going to have an enormous technical load. You're going to have to rent bandwidth and all these sorts of things. And it'll cost you probably 10 times as much as we paid or will pay to Zoom for this event. And I think we get you know we get bogged we get bogged down with whether a service is free or whether it's open source and actually paying for things and making your life easier so you can focus on your day job is a hell of a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think there's a time and place for all things, you know, and you know, of course it would be great if there were was- freely available open source software and that you could just drop in and would do all these things, but someone has to build it and someone has to maintain it. And as you say, it needs bandwidth, it needs servers. It doesn't matter what software you run, someone has to pay for that. So Yeah. You know, I, I do think it makes sense to try to find suppliers that where you agree with their policies and that you see that the that supplier or that company is a you know a, a good member of the open source community and things like that you know, if at all possible, but, but yeah, you have to always yeah. find the balance. I mean, you know, many people have done, I don't know. I, it's of course, on the one hand, it's good when people have, let's say, views that push us because if, if, if everyone just said, well, why, you know, we need people who push us towards open source, but you've you know, you got to find the balance of reality that we live in. So I guess that's yeah. the constant tension, I guess.
1: I just wonder whether, you know, these people who are, Running multiple accounts on OpenCage to get round the first payment tier. Whether those people are contributing anything back to open source or OpenStreetMap, or whether they are just determined to freeload on everybody.
0: Uh, well, hard to know, of course, but I, you know, obviously, I suspect not. But, but uh, frankly, that's also. The case of some of I had a call this week with a company, a large vehicle tracking company in Europe, and they were like, "Oh, we we really like using OpenStreetMap because of the the terms and and uh, also the cost, and we would love to work with you." And but sometimes the data is not perfect. I said, "Well, yeah, of course, I mean the world changes, so but it would be great if you know." And this is a company that has thousands of of consumers using their service. I was like, well, maybe we could integrate a way whereby your consumers can report problems. And someone in your team then could, you know, you could train someone in your team to get good at OpenStreetMap and and could help fix the problems. Um, and said, no, no, we just want you to do that for us. I was like, well, ART a- a- and this is a company that I asked him how many engineers he has in his team. Of course he has 20. And, and you know, I was, and I was like, how many people do you think work on Nominatum? you know, how many active contributors do you think there are? It's far fewer than 20. I can tell that and, yeah. and you know, I was like, well, does it really make sense? This is a guy in a in a European country, you know, it's like, it doesn't make it, you know, I, I'm not capable of fixing the things. Now, we need people who have the local perspective. And, and you know, you could have someone in, I tried to explain to him, you could have someone in your team who becomes an expert on OpenStreetMap and also engages with the local community and, you know, learns how the things work there. And, you know, he just couldn't, Make that leap of that, like he's like, no, no, we'll we'll just be the customer, and I was like, well, that's not going to work. That's not going to work at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're glad they have them as a customer, but th- th- then we're not going to be able. To, you know, we it's it's a struggle, I think, for some people yeah. to to make that leap, and I'm not sure what the answer is.
1: So I I, I guess it's just a... and I think we've had that conversation in the open source community and in the open data community. You know that. Ultimately, the, the commercial users of these products and services don't see them as being any different to the proprietary products that they used to spend 10 times as much money on. And in fact, what we need to encourage is a much more collaborative relationship between the customer and the producer. The customer needs to become part of the production process. Absolutely. Not just a consumer of the product.
0: Well we do we, we do uh, have some customers where that that does happen. And usually those are also customers who are coming to us because they know us from the OpenStreetMap community or, or from things like GeoMob and things like that. But but it's definitely not, not all yet. And I, I guess it's just an ongoing educational process to try to work with people and, and make that become the norm. And probably probably what helps there is kind of a ground up ty- style process where you you work on convincing the developers within the organization rather than a top-down approach where you know you try to educate the CEO and he then dictates that that's not probably not going to work, but you know I guess it's it's a long journey, <laughs> and we're probably on uh, you know day one of that journey
1: in the grand scheme of things. But going back to the problem of free, the added complexity for you. I think is that for OpenCage to be a scalable and sustainable business, you have to automate as much of the whole sign-up process and everything else as you can do. And you've pretty much got that that nailed. Now you you log in, you sign up, you get an API key, you can then integrate that. Into whatever your application is, and use the API key to get the the geocodes. Um, the problem with all that automation means is that it means it makes it much more difficult to um, to filter out the people who are trying to scan the system, doesn't it? You know. Well, we um, obviously
0: have various parameters that we try to tweak there, of like trying to make it trying to detect those people and automatically suspend them and stuff like that. But you know, no system is perfect, so I have no doubt. So a good example that's very difficult, how do we differentiate between, you know, five engineers at a company who all register as a way to get around the limit versus five students sitting next to each other at a university where each one is kind of working on their own thing and just trying to learn and use our system? It's very hard, very, wow. very difficult to tell those two apart, where in one case they're trying to trying to cheat the system. In one case, I mean, you can tell over time, of course, if someone, you know, if if they continue to use it ongoing, but... But yeah we waste a lot of time working on this it's it's a it's a pain it's a pain and obviously any any company that can afford to have five engineers can definitely afford our fifty dollar package you know yeah so
1: even if those are five engineers in a relatively low income country correct i mean even in those low income countries you're paying those five engineers a thousand dollars a month yeah, yeah, of course yeah or you know, you're not, it's not like those five engineers are, are not getting paid anything.
0: Exactly. So
1: anyway, so it's a problem and it's, you
0: know, I don't think we're going to resolve it today, Stephen. So, and I guess, uh, otherwise we, I don't
1: think we're going to resolve it today, but it would be nice if there was a little, um, if there was a magic switch, um, personally, I, I, you know, I think, um, it's really difficult um, and I don't think we can resolve it. But
0: Well, I invite any um, suggestions that our listeners have or any thoughts and comments that people yeah. have. So please get in touch if if you if this is a topic that interests you or that you have an opinion on. And otherwise, I guess my only final comment is I look forward to seeing everyone at G UK, which is on the 17th
1: next week. Indeed it is and uh, probably the week after we can maybe do a little recap and uh, have a talk about some of the speakers that we most enjoyed at PhosphoG UK that would be great fun alright we will do it until then until then take care bye, bye.
0: thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOB podcast hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. You can check out Mappery at Mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMOP event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.